0: Go ahead and, and take a seat. Well, our, our message for today is based off of uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 22. And this is the story of, of Saul, uh, later called Paul. And now, okay, here's, here's a nitpick before I even begin. Saul didn't change his name to Paul when he was converted to the Christian faith. It just says later in Acts that Saul is sometimes called Paul. Saul, Saul is the Hebrew name, Paul is the Greek name. So I will probably go back and forth in my sermon today between the two, just the same guy, all right? All right, Nick, Nick, pick over. Let's now, let's read uh, from God's word, Acts chapter 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you, who you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. "'Rise and go to the street called Straight. "'And at the house of Judas, look for a man named Tarsus, man of Tarsus named Saul. "'For behold, he is praying. "'And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him, "'so that he might regain his sight. "'But Ananias answered, "'Lord, I have heard from many about this man, "'how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. "'And here he has authority from the chief priests,' That you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Lord Jesus, send your Holy Spirit into this place as we study your word uh, bless this time and bless the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts that it all is acceptable and pleasing in your sights, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, uh, as I, I said, I've, I've only preached at fuel service a couple of times, um, so it's good to be here today to, be, to share God's word with you. Uh, so something you may not know about me since I'm more of a stranger, uh, to, to many of you is that my, my wife and I are expecting our first child, um, and so this is a, an exciting. Oh. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, this is an exciting time, but it also makes it really hard to make plans for anything. See, see, my wife is is 39 weeks pregnant. Th- this upcoming Friday is our due date, and so that means that any mo- any moment, any minute, any time of the day, we might just have to drop everything, and, and rush to the hospital uh, to to have our, our daughter be born. In, in, in a split second, any plans that we had made for that day or for the week will just have to be thrown away uh, well, because the baby's coming, because it's, it's a big deal. For, for you parents in the room, you probably know this feeling. It's a feeling that you probably experienced uh, some, some years ago. And you may also recognize that it's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating, this feeling of, of any plan that you would like to make has to just be thrown by the wayside. It'd be so much easier if we could just make the plans ourselves. Actually, I was, I was talking to someone before the service who said that, that his kids were all born with C-section, and that was easy. He had a, a date and time. They got in, got out. No worry about waiting. Instead, he could make the plans. We're, we're doing the best we can to make plans. You know, we're, we're eating spicy food. We're, we're, we're going on walks. Uh, uh, there, there's a... Curb walking, if if you've seen that, where you walk with one foot on a curb, it's supposed to just work the baby down. So we're we're doing everything that we can to make it happen. But at, at the end of the day, of course, it's in God's hands. And see, when God is acting, when God is the one who has to act, our plans will fall by the wayside. This is certainly true with our baby, but it's also true just in general. When God acts, when when God does something, our human plans plans have to change. See, this is a frustrating thing. It certainly can be frustrating. But it's also an awesome thing to experience when God is working in your life to even have these plans just be destroyed and thrown by the wayside. Think about Saul. Saul. He was the greatest, most zealous persecutor of the church. And then he becomes the premier apostle of Jesus. To even call what happened to Saul a a change of plans is a big understatement. But it's certainly there too. He had to change his plans. Saul's story begins with him on this mission. Luke says that Saul was breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. That is just powerful language. Murder is what Saul was breathing. It's on his breath. It's what's giving him life it is, is murdering Christians. It's probably all he talked about too, right? His friends, he's just trying to find out where Christians are going next, what the biggest threats were. And so Saul had been trying his absolute hardest to, to squash the Christian church in Jerusalem But now it was beginning to spread to to other cities, even to other countries. Damascus is a foreign city. So Saul is doing his very best. He's on this mission to go to Damascus, and he's already got the arrest papers in hand. Any Christian he finds, he is ready to take with him and put in jail. See, everything Saul had, he was was putting towards this plan of his. This plan to stop the Christians uh, from corrupting what what he saw as his religion, they were corrupting his religion. But then on on the road, in a very dramatic way, God acted. And obviously those plans all changed. It's remarkable, though, that God's plans didn't change. Did you hear what, what God called Saul to Ananias? He said, my chosen instrument. Jesus had already chosen Saul. Before this whole conversion event, before anything, Jesus had already chosen Saul to be a part of God's plan to carry Jesus' name to all nations. See, Saul had no idea about it, but Jesus did. And Saul was chosen by God. The story of of Saul's conversion is a dramatic story. It It is miraculous. It, it is such an amazing story of, of a man coming to Christ that it can be kind of hard for me to relate to it. When I think about my own faith story, it's it's much more boring than that. I, I was baptized a month into my life, and I've been in the church ever since. My, my dad works, worked for the church and eventually became a pastor. I've just kind of been here. I don't I don't have this miraculous story of moving from from a, a non Christian to a Christian. And so think about your own stories. Maybe yours are as boring as mine. Maybe they are as miraculous as St. As Paul's. Or maybe they're somewhere in between. Or maybe you don't even have a story yet. Your story hasn't begun yet. And that's okay too. I'm, I'm glad that, that you're here today. The thing is, though, is that it doesn't matter. If, the, the, the drama of your story isn't what matters. Because, in fact, you aren't even the main character of your story. God is. The main character in, in Saul's story wasn't Saul. It was Jesus. Jesus was the only one who was doing anything. He was the only one at work in Saul's conversion. See, Jesus had chosen Saul, and that is all that mattered. That Jesus chose Saul. It's the same thing with you and me. And first Peter, the Apostle Peter says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. See, you and I too have been called and chosen by God. Even before we ever knew about it, we were a part of God's plan for his kingdom on earth. He has chosen to make you and me a part of his family, a part of his church. And it's worth noting that we had the same resume that Saul had absolutely nothing. God didn't choose us because of something great in us. He didn't choose us because of something that we would bring to the table and we would be the best Christian ever. But in our own story and Saul's, we just see God's power and his tenacity to save. To take anyone and to transform them with the power of the resurrection. So hear this loud and clear for you today. God has made you a part, of, your plan, a part of, of his plan. And because of that, he will continue messing up all of your plans. See, don't, don't think that now that you're a Christian, that suddenly your plans are going to perfectly align with Jesus's. That's what we see in Ananias. See, Ananias was a disciple of Jesus living in Damascus. He was in this foreign city that, that Saul was coming to. And even in this foreign country, he had heard word about this man, Saul. He had heard what he had been doing in Jerusalem, and he'd even caught wind that he was coming his way. That Saul's murderous crusade was coming to Damascus, right to Ananias' backyard. So I'd be willing to bet that Ananias was not planning on bumping into Saul. He wasn't planning on, on approaching Saul at all. He, he would certainly keep preaching the word of God that that would never stop for an apostle of God. But if he could do anything in his power to avoid this man, Saul, he would have done it. But Jesus had other plans for Ananias, too. Jesus had planned to send Ananias straight to, to Saul, not as an adversary, but as a brother. Though this certainly went against every plan that Ananias had made, and yet we see that Jesus changes that. We see that Ananias would deliver God's grace to people even as bad, even an enemy like Saul. Actually, in this story, I find myself relating to Ananias quite a bit more. I I haven't had... An experience like Saul on on the road to Damascus, but I have had experiences like Ananias, where I've been called to love someone and welcome someone who doesn't really seem like they're really a Christian. Maybe you know every day the church continues to baptize new members and, and welcome new members into our church, and that is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And yet, we Christians often Well, we sometimes hesitate to welcome. We end up putting roadblocks in front of people before they can really be a part of God's family, really be a part of the church. We say, yeah, we'll we'll baptize you, but you better start voting our way. There's no way you can be a Christian and vote for the other political party. Or maybe we can make our own list of unforgivable sins. We'll say, you can be a Christian, but not if you're still doing that thing. Fill in the blank with whatever unforgivable sin is hard for you. When we do that, we are trying to enact our plans into God's plan. We're trying to build walls around what it means to be a Christian, and we can actually end up forgetting what being a Christian is really all about. The call of Jesus. Plain and simple. That's it. Beginning and end. The call of Jesus that makes us a part of his plan, and God can call whoever he wants. See, God's plan for the world does not build barriers between Christians and the world. It doesn't see anyone beyond saving. What we actually see in the story of Jesus is that he is for the ends of the world, for the marginalized. You see, it, it isn't just that, that he, he goes there, but that's actually where his mission starts, When Jesus is calling disciples, he doesn't go to the rich and powerful, but he goes to fishermen. He doesn't go to the popular and well-liked, but he goes to tax collectors and sinners. He's surrounded by the crippled, the lame, the prostitutes, robbers, thieves. And then God's plan took Jesus to the most marginalized place, to the cross. And there we see well, there we see Jesus winning our salvation. We see the plan of God that took him to the cross, and we are invited to follow him and do the same. To, to die to our plans. Our plans no longer matter. All that matters is God's plan for our life and for his world. And there on the cross, as an outsider of outsiders, there, there is where Jesus raises us up. See, the the resurrection changes everything. We can still make plans about our world. In fact, it's it's a good thing to make plans and and to, to be a good steward of everything that God has given to you. But be ready for God to work. Be ready for God to disrupt your plans, to change them, and to change you as he uses you as his vessel, as his instrument. To bring all people to him. In Jesus' name, amen.